Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, I'm George Chen, and you're listening to SupDoc, a show where we watch documentaries with our guests from the worlds of comedy, TV, and other creative fields. This time, we're recapping Liza Mandelib's 2019 documentary, Jawline, now streaming on Hulu. It's sort of the story of a teenaged Austin tester, a small-town Tennessee social media star in the making, or he thinks, but it's actually more of a mood piece about growing up extremely online. Our guests for this episode are Elijah Katz and Sophie Clem. Elijah is a Los Angeles native and a comedian who runs Margaret, a mid-city comedy show on Wednesdays at Akula Marquis. Sophie Clem is a graduate of Pratt Institute who works in fashion, and they're a couple who watch Jawline together. What a weird date night. And we had a lot of thoughts about fame, trying to make it, what the hell you now is, and other dystopian takes. Now here's my talk with Elijah and Sophie. Hey, you're listening to Sup Doc. I'm George Chen, and I am in the home of comedian Elijah Katz. Hey, how's it going? What's up, man? How's it going? Thanks for showing me around your place. Oh, yeah. Thanks for coming through. Nobody comes down to South Central, man. Yeah, I, I like that you have a lot of bits about South Central as well. I have to. I have to address <laughs> the, the monster in the room, yeah. I guess. Um, and we are going to be talking about the film Jawline. Oh man, what can we say about Jawline? It's on Hulu. It's a movie, and it is starring a uh, starring. Uh, it's directed by Liza Mandeloup, and had a great uh, Sundance where it got picked up by Hulu, and now it is available. Uh, how, do you have a Hulu? Or yeah, how did you watch I, I yeah. use my mom's Hulu. Yeah, That's, yeah. I think everyone's mom's Hulu is the way Hulu is mostly watched. Yeah, no, uh, anybody's free to use my mom's Hulu. If yeah, they need it. Um, <laughs> At, yeah, give out your Twitter. <laughs> like, <laughs> DM me. Slide into Elijah's DMs. You for can sublease your, uh, my mom's Hulu. Yeah, exactly. If needed, the Cats family Hulu. For yeah, all. we got like three more accounts we can add. I think. Yeah. Um, Though that's great. We have three listeners, so this will work <laughs> out perfectly. Um, man, so this is a film that is ostensibly about uh, the main subject is this kid who's like 16 named Austin Tester. Super 16. Yeah, very 16. And he is on a social media platform that I had never heard of called You Now. Yeah. And that- I guess it's pre-TikTok. Because TikTok is more of a 2018 to now kind of Yeah, moment. I'm not super not... This is my first introduction to you now as well. But it seemed like uh, it, almost like a cam site, but mm-hmm. for children, you know? <laughs> that, th- there, let's, yeah, let's just directly address that. This is like an adult woman who is following around these children... And uh, their shirts are off a lot of the time. They're just like, they also like, okay, so Austin lives in Tennessee in a small town. 
and he has an older brother who is kind of seems like a burnout. Yeah. And the other main subject of this film is this guy named Michael Wiest, who is like, I think I was saying before we start recording, he's like the Malcolm McLaren of young idiots. I'm like, Malcolm McLaren was the Malcolm McLaren of young idiots. (laughs) So um, basically he is the guy who's figured out how to monetize and kind of turn all these influencers into like a playboy mansion, basically. It's like a playboy mansion of underage boys. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And honestly, they could have made the whole documentary about him. He was, he was by far the most interesting character in it. Yeah. Um, what's your take? So I kind of asked you to watch this. I don't yeah. know if you were going to watch it. Without I'd heard about it. Yeah. I listened, I heard a story about it on NPR mm-hmm. and, um, it's so not a world that I care about in my day to day, but I like explorations into things I don't know about. And it was done artfully mm-hmm. at least, which is nice. You know, the director definitely like has an eye for, uh, you know, image composition and like uh, narrative and like actual getting, trying to get to the meat of these people. Um, yeah. Trying, you yeah. know, uh, there's not much. There's yeah. not much. Not much meat them. on that jawbone. Uh, the, yeah, like I would say the aesthetic of this is very pretty. Mm-hmm. And I was reading an interview with her where she was kind of talking about it as like the female gaze uh, like this is a film that is, and then, you know, I was thinking about the reverse, the reverse version of this movie is a bunch of 30 something dudes hanging out with a bunch of teenage girls. Yeah. And that yeah. documentary probably exists, but it is probably not going to get, uh, picked up at Sundance by Hulu. That's yeah. It's my, probably not allowed maybe in getting some picked countries. Up, uh, yeah. Maybe yeah. getting picked up by, uh, some other streaming sites that are, uh, not allowed. For it a was lot of odd, people. and not it definitely definitely did focus on just the female gaze. Something I I, I was kind of wanting to see was the male fans. Mm, yeah, um, they didn't really delve into that too even, much. Even I'm sure there's young male fans, but I'm sure there's also an army of creepy older men that right. love these boys too, and probably uh, spend a lot of money on them as well. And yeah. they didn't focus on that at all. Well, they did. Okay, so Michael Weist is is identifies as gay. Sure, and. Yeah. He actually had these really interesting moments where he's like, you're leaving your male fans out by saying, hey, you guys. And like that was a very bizarre uh, meltdown that happened on that on in the in the Playboy Mansion of uh, Los Angeles, where all these influencers are living. And I was like thinking about that as well, like because, you know, it is 2019, but a lot of these broy like, you know, teenage boys are probably kind of homophobic that are just taking their shirts off for the internet for, they think for women yeah, or and not even women, girls. Yeah. Uh, so like I was thinking about that, like the meet and greets they're doing, I'm like, they're, they've gotta be some like kind of some, some underage gay boys that want to meet them as well. And I wonder if they are as nice to them as sure. they are to the girls. Sure. And, uh, I guess probably not. Probably that would be my not. vibe. I mean, I would like to think Austin at least would be, you would give him a hug or something. He seemed, they painted a very wholesome picture of that guy. He also seems fine with sleeping with his best friend and his brother in bed without their shirts on and a bunch of kittens running around. I noticed that as well. Which is very like, it was a little bit of like decline of Western civilization kind of in that household. Yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, 
I, yeah, I was actually thinking about that in terms of like the gendered part of this movie, right? It's a female director. Mm-hmm. And I think I've listened to some interviews she did where she talks about like, she just wanted to do a story about teenagers being in love and in the society that we have where everything is mediated by our phones. Hmm. And then it just took this left turn into this world of like uh, meet and greets with uh, social media kids. Right. And like, I, it was really, it, to me, like an anthropological view because I am so removed from this world. It sounds like you're Same. removed yeah, from it as no, well. Yeah, no, it was a but good But it's closer survey. to your generation than my generation. Sure, yeah, I'm at least familiar with some of the talking mm-hmm, points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even if I don't, like, involve myself in that world. Right, like, people you grew up with might be in that world or something. I know some Austin Tenors. I know yeah, yeah, a couple. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, uh... But in L.A., they might be, like, actually trying to act or model or do something, and there's nothing, like... There's no skill involved in this as far as i can tell there's there's no skill there's he did austin definitely did work hard he works hard at like a weird right he's persistent yeah he has to work hard to take a lot of photos of himself and to i mean there's also the self-work you know like what a bodybuilder does they go to the gym and work out to make their body good Mm -hmm. i don't know if he's actually working on that level the la people seem to be more on that tip of uh, really sculpting themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there was some minor plastic surgery and stuff at that point. With someone who's under 18 getting plastic surgery? I'd imagine so. I mean, I had friends in high school getting nose jobs and stuff, you know? Were they, um, were they trying to act or what were they doing? Uh, it was usually Jewish girls with uh, okay. wealthy dads. Um, yeah, and it was, uh, it was all superficial, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Well, I just I just think about getting plastic surgery that young and like how how does the you know plastic part age as well? You know, it's a good question. I don't know. You have not seen the follow up. Well, you know who <laughs> should I? You know someone I'm completely fine if they get plastic surgery. Artie Lang. Yeah, I kind yeah. of wish he would. No, he he, <laughs> he needs could, to. I think we could. We'd all chip into a crowd fund for. If that. there was a GoFundMe for Artie Lang, it would. Even his haters would contribute to it. Yeah, just because not a, it's just not it's just not right. Yeah, no, nobody. Um, the Voldemort look in comedy <laughs> is not. Uh, I I mean, to not just completely sidetrack into yeah, the Artie Lang yeah. discussion. Where is that documentary? Why do I That's always come out. talk? End up talking about Artie Lang. <laughs> every time I'm welcome on welcome to Artie Lang podcast. Uh, you're t- you're talking to your number one and number two Artie Lang fans, George and Elijah. No, um, but yeah, uh, gender flipping this whole film. Uh, yeah, or like just the idea of like nascent. The fact that it's like it's kind of addressed how this is like like teenage girls having these fetishized, uh, you know, having this weird intimacy with these guys who really don't have a lot to offer as far as I can tell. Uh, except for the fact that they're not abusive, it seems like. Right. Uh, in the in the okay. like, in the very like. Uh, surface level relationship that they share with the girls and you were talking earlier about like teenage love Mm -hmm. and there definitely is like a weird modern love going on because the girls are all in love with the guys and the guys preach a message of love 
towards the fans, but probably personally don't actually love the girls. Well, I mean, I remember being a 16-year-old boy. I think your concept of love is very odd and not really, you know, I'm definitely not as wholesome as that you could have this kind yeah. of relationship with a bunch of strangers. Well, like they're fully exchanging numbers and like texting all the time. That, and stuff. that was the part that got weird to me Yeah, uh, in that you're talking about the scene at the mall at the mall. Like Austin is like, yeah, getting trading numbers with these girls and like, can't remember their names. Yeah. And like, like, yeah, no, I'll text you later. And they were like being offended uh, that he can remember. Their yeah, names. yeah. Yeah. I, uh, what, what you only have mean? 2,000 followers. Can yeah. you remember their names? Yeah. Um, and the girl was like, if you don't know how to spell Michelle, we're going to have a real problem. <laughs> and I don't, I mean, I know how to spell Michelle, but I could spell it three different ways. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but that that part freaked me out because that made me realize like how much emotional labor Austin is exposing himself to mm-hmm. by doing that. And I think that's another element of where the hard work for him comes in is he now has to, he was kissing those girls. He was hugging them. Oh yeah. Like he would give them full on the mouth kisses that for was, Instagram. That was twisted to me. Yeah. That, that, that's where it was dark, but that's like a lot. A lot of these girls seem like they were going through a lot. They mm-hmm. might've come from, you know, abusive households and stuff. And he's now like their rock in a way. And that's like a lot to put on yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, even if he's not doing it consciously, mm-hmm. you know, um, that was, he has a thousand girlfriends, you know, <laughs> you know, right. I hadn't thought about it like yeah. that. And right. uh, even if he's not providing personal support, emotional support to yeah. them when he's doing his videos and stuff, you know, it's like they get, they're hanging out with him. It's like, he's not a sex worker, but he's doing like the work of a therapist or something. Yeah. In some ways, yeah. With or like no training. <laughs> it's, it's like proto sex work. I right, because they're also like they're so young that they probably a lot of them haven't even had sex or anything. Yeah, or like it's just like they're they're forming their concept of like roles of male and female, like kind of through this weird system as well. Yeah, and it's it's kind of it's kind of always existed. You know, we've always had like pop stars that people look up to, mm-hmm. and now it's just like democratized i guess right well we're it's it's funny we were just talking about how uh you know tiktok is the new platform now and i heard that also like on i think it was like on another podcast it might have been like the frame they're talking about like oh yeah tiktok's more democratic i'm like that's ironic because it is a chinese company yeah where they censor like protests from hong kong yeah so it's like is it democratic i mean and it's still a corporation that's oh yeah you know, controlling I mean, that's everything. The best, that's the only democracy we have anymore. Mm-hmm. Freedom of like, what platform do you want to like dedicate yourself to posting? Right, on? right. So it's it's a pseudo democracy because, mm-hmm. and also like, the choices of who gets popular is children, uh, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Uh, what right? In in a sense, like right. It is before the system of like the boy band system which can go back to, you know, Menudo or the Beatles or, yeah. like, you know, any, you know, before the 90s, 2000s boy band waves. There is always that figure, this Bengali, the manager, the, exactly. you know, the exploitative person. And in theory, that's not happening here. It's just uh, children set free in this ecosystem. 
that yeah. are that are not having. But then there is always uh, we got Michael Weist in the picture. Yeah, well, and it's kind of like at any point. Also, it's like any. Uh, I I struggle to call this an art form, but like any uh, creative work, I guess uh, you have the choice to like stay independent or go corporate. You know, like mm-hmm. as we say in music, like sell out. You know, mm-hmm. but I think in the Instagram stuff, you have like that is the move. That's, that, the, that's the point the of it, essentially. Yeah. Like yeah. being kind of cult on Instagram uh, does you very little good. It Squad. seems like, yeah. yeah. And I think the point, is, yeah, the point is to sell out. Mm-hmm. And um, but it's still it's initiated at the bottom, right? As opposed to, I guess, the old school would be the top music executive starting it mm-hmm. and then putting that out there. Now, now, it's interesting that you talk about selling out because I didn't know that that was still a part of any conversation that people under 30 were having. Right. Like, it seems like there was no more qualms about... Because I kind of came up in the era where that was, like, the big issue. Sure. Like, in, sure. in at least underground culture was, like, how corporate it was going to end up being. And now it seems like it's not... I don't really... I firstly, I don't talk to enough people about it mm-hmm. or I'm not in the, involved in that scene as much anymore. But also like, uh, you know, I, I think this we, we could draw parallels to comedy as well. But like we're going to talk specifically about music. Um, yeah, like there was more of an ecosystem to be not huge. There was like an ecosystem to be a mid-level, uh, you know, working musician at some yeah. point. And it seems like that has somewhat vanished. So I think the options are either become big or or toil away for no In chance or anything or give up so. yeah yeah and i'll i'll tell you at least on a like a personal basis i hear in conversations people criticizing people for selling out okay. for making those choices but i think you gotta make your money mm-hmm. you know like it's a it's a tough it's a tough gig out here now bob dylan doing a car commercial that's that's something else. But mm-hmm. like if, you know, one of my buddies is broke as fuck and somebody offers them 3000 bucks for their song to be in a TV show, I, I think that's totally uh, chill. Yeah. yeah. I'm, uh, I, I do wonder what these, uh, what are we calling these kids, by the way? Are we going to call them influencers? Are they influencers? What are they? I've, I've, when I've been explaining the documentary to people, I've been calling them Instagram pretty boys. Okay. But I influencer might be uh, what they aspire to be or like the the conventional career title for whatever it is but i don't know uh, instagram models no i don't sure like yeah like it, to me it's not really modeling i think you get to the point where you're an inst- you're an influencer if there is companies paying you to market something yeah right? yeah and they're maybe n- the ones there's people in the film that are there. Yeah, there's are the people that are basically being managed by Michael or the people that are going on these tours. Wait, was Austin on the same tour that Michael was running? That's no, he was a different tour. So yeah. Austin idolized these twins. Yeah, he got with their management company and right. went on a tour with them. Oh, and that's the guy in the empty office building. Yes, yes, his that name eludes me. At who the was? The complete opposite of Michael. Right. Like, like a complete in the shadows, you know, quiet. Yeah. Um, uh, Another exploiter. Yo, basically. 100%. Yeah. The nature of this social media business is 
and making as much money as quick as you can because everything has a expiration date and a time limit. My goal is to capture the ones that I think are better than the rest, take them, rebrand them, monopolize that so that everyone who's not part of that vision is taken out of the industry so that it keeps quality control up and more money in my pocket. It's like the gold rush. Right now, it's like literally the social media gold rush. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I also took a moment to look at the IMDb comments mm-hmm. on Jawline, which just basically, it was only in festivals and it just hit Hulu about a month ago. So here's a great one I'm going to read to you guys from uh, Go Goth Disco Queen. Oh, Goth Disco Queen. Gives it five out of ten stars. And so uh, these are not my words. These are Goth Disco Queen's words. Too superficial. As a teenager who has grown up in the infamous Lynn Garden Drive area of Kingsport, the producer of this film and Austin both missed a great opportunity to truly expose what holds youth back from fame, especially in a rural area. Many will argue that this can't be considered a rural area because we have a huge factory, an entire area of mansions, and we're only 30 minutes from a decent mall. Mm. But there's a class split between the rich and poor that many are too blind or privileged to see. You don't understand it or see it until you live on a street without sidewalks and there are people tweaking out constantly, walking down the road, and you can't go outside. You go to sleep at night and your leaking, molding ceiling drenches your mattress. Half of the people your millennial sister went to high school with are on meth, have kids who have kids, and they're all in the arrested papers from an array of domestic assault drug charges. You can't join any extracurriculars to become a teacher's star-studded favorite because you can't afford the thousands of dollars worth of band fees each year. And there's still not enough money with both of your parents working jobs because the best you can get without going back to college is a factory job. There are youth way worse off than Austin, but there are also youth way better off than Austin. Youth that could skyrocket way past his level of fame with the money they have. Austin truly missed an opportunity to expose beyond a couple of short jabbing statements and briefly heart-wrenching scenes, the bitter truth. If you're born into a trash in a town like this, you are most likely going to be stuck in trash. Even with the small boost of fame he received, he wasn't lucky enough to raise the bar. He's aware that this town doesn't have much to offer. He's aware that there is not an easy help for kids that have lost their way and not fully exposing those issues lost a lot of potential sympathy and documentary content beyond scenes of goofing off and flashing the luxurious life of being on tour. If it wasn't for the unpleasant, anxiety-inducing struggles that low-income youth have to suffer, maybe Austin would have had the energy or funds to continue on without falling behind. 
But in a town like this, it's not always enough to just chase your dreams. You really have to put in work and go through disappointment, being more broke than you ever have before one week, just to hopefully have the most money you've ever had the next. It's a lot of sacrifices staying the course and not becoming a product of your environment, especially when your part of your environment has been abusive. If the film hadn't tiptoed around so many negative subjects relating to the environment he's dealt with, maybe audiences would be more sympathetic. Maybe we would be able to expose the true grit of escaping a town with low opportunity and low expectations, and we would be lo- wouldn't be a lost statistic. Being trapped as a product of your environment doesn't just happen in your television dramas or in a famously notorious town like Chicago. It happens in places like Kingsport, too. Austin is awfully inspirational and luckily still conventionally attractive enough to grab attention from masses, but he's looking at the masses of people to inspire. Maybe next time we'll get a film that isn't afraid to go further than the surface and raise the bar for rural towns. Interesting. Yeah, that was a lot longer than I, I didn't really read that ahead of time. So that got darker than I was planning on It's all good. They had a lot of feelings about it. Yeah, I mean, there is sort of like, that is a major part of the story, I think, is like she wanted to find someone who wasn't in New York or L.A. Yeah. And she found this kid in a small town who seems to be like lives in a house full of cats. I have no problem with that. Uh, He has, you know, they have a house. It seems pretty nice, actually. But it seems like he basically dropped out of high school to pursue this. And uh, watching this whole thing, I'm like, that's that's a bad idea. Yeah. Because you're not smart enough to get a GED. He's kind of like a blank slate dude. No, they were uh, they were definitely. very uh, not smart people, unfortunately, or for I, whatever. I'm not trying to be ableist against their <laughs> intelligence, against Austin's intelligence. But no, I mean, you said you're sapiosexual. That was yeah. <laughs> the. Uh, uh, I mean, the the review is right though. Like, it is very hard to escape the class you're born into. Mm-hmm. A little Marxist reviewer over here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Still, to give it a five out of ten. That's yeah, not the was, worst grade. No, it's it, like I'm glad to see Kingsport represented somehow, but it's not represented the way I would do it, basically. Yeah, I, I'm confused by a bit of their explanation for it. They were like, we're not rural, okay? And yeah. then went on to explain like very rural white trash like yeah. stuff. Everybody's on meth. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, fucking, you know, that's not an opioid, I guess. That's yeah. one thing you can say about that. There we go. Okay, here's another review from IMDb. I'm just going to read this review from IMDb from Volfan. This Volfan said one star out of 10, very biased. Very biased. <laughs> There's no ED involved. I live in the same town as Austin, and the mm. movie portrays Kingsport as something it's not. The town is very much not rural. Most would argue that we actually live in a bubble of wealth because of the Eastman Chemical Company. Mm. I actually went to school with Austin, and when people found out about the movie, they laughed at the idea of it. The movie is very far from the truth, so I wouldn't believe a thing about it. If you really want to watch an inspiring movie, don't watch this. They stretch the truth to a very jarring degree. So, Volfan, not a fan of this film. I, I love how everybody in Kingsport was like, they misrepresented Kingsport. Let's go on IMDb. <laughs> yeah, know, just was, there's the Yelp for Kingsport. Yeah. Probably like, <laughs> yeah, like it's not, if you saw, if you thought you were going to get a, a bunch of boys at the mall, this is not, that mall also seemed pretty empty overall. That was a pretty sad mall. Yeah, I mean, it was standard, like dying middle America. And I, 
maybe I'm just being a coastal elite right now. But no, we I got think, dying think, malls in LA, man. I've been yeah. a dying mall for sure. But I think like having a chemical factory doesn't mean you're a bumping part. Of, you know? Yeah. Like, you're like flexing it. Yeah, <laughs> everybody's everybody's That's Sophie flexing Mike. it. Hi, yeah. Sophie. Sophie also saw this film. <laughs> yeah, and I think has some thoughts on it that we'll we'll share the mic when it comes. Yeah, up. feel free. When it comes to me, yeah, totally. Yeah, um, yeah, there you're exactly. It's a flex on the Eastman Chemical Company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, they all they like have it in their Tinder bios. They're like fully flexing. Like, uh, you know, I work at the chemical company. Like, that's also is that that's the real Joker origin story. Uh, the chemical company. Um, so what did you guys make of uh the focus? I wanted, yeah, I agree. I wanted more Michael. Yeah. I thought that he's at least has, you know, an angle. Yeah. No, for sure. And also, I mean, that first review had a point, too. It seemed like they really did tiptoe around the darker subjects. Mm -hmm. um, I think there were darker subjects in Austin's life, darker subjects in Michael's life. Mm -hmm. um, maybe they did that so he would let them use his footage and stuff. But, mm -hmm. like, they didn't really go into a... The family. Yeah. I, I, I think a 16-year-old kid, usually the family would be part of the story. Yeah. And you, think, you see his mom... Yeah. Uh, was there a reference to the dad? They said abuse? they said all he did was drugs, alcohol, and beat them. Yeah. Yeah. And I then do I guess that they now. would lock Austin in a room. Oh man. Growing up, um, I, uh, they, I they would like lock him in a room, and the mom would bring the meals through the window so the dad didn't see. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Um. So so he's got he's got some abuse. Uh, you know, I and I'd imagine. If you're an Instagram model, uh, chances are you were abused. Um, that's just my guess. Uh, but uh, uh, I, the, the family was very supportive, though. Honestly, I thought they were sweet in the, yeah. in the small parts that they did show them. Um, they made his career choice seem slightly noble to me i don't know I, yeah. I i felt slightly even though austin's there's not much to him I, I was sympathetic towards his cause you know they were just like you know we don't have much going on you know austin has this opportunity and we really hope he gets it mm -hmm. and i was like oh that's that's pretty sweet yeah and, yeah and like in a way we're also you know pursuing creative careers where i don't i don't know how your family is my family's pretty supportive generally but i have some extended family who's like very unsupportive mm-hmm and, um, like they leave comments on your YouTube and stuff. They they just always are calling me, telling me to go back to school and stuff. Um, but uh, Re really, yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, they're all doctors and lawyers and stuff, so they have much more like set careers and stuff. And uh, was there some sort of imp implication at some point that they were like they thought you should do become a lawyer or a doctor or something? Um, I mean, they, they live in Canada. They're not in my lives that much. Mm -hmm. But when I do visit them, they're always just pressing on me to go back to college. Mm -hmm. And um, I just think it's interesting. We probably, you know, there's a lot of people that uh, think what we're doing is you know, crazy or like, yeah, but we have self doubt because we sure. have self, we have self awareness. A amen. No. And I'm constantly <laughs> doubting myself yeah. constantly. So, you know what? You're right on that. No, they, those, uh, the Instagram guys all have blind, blind optimism. Yeah. Which, uh, I think they need yeah. to do that. That's um, what's unclear to me about Austin. Like he doesn't seem like he has a realization that he's kind of screwed himself. 
uh, he just sort of like goes into a depression. Yeah. And then he's like, uh, better just get back to the camera. Just yeah. got to get back on you now. Got to just this worked once yeah why couldn't it work again it was like a depression without introspection yeah which is where the actual growth comes from yeah i don't feel like there was much growth and i also understand not wanting to be in high school yeah that's like a relatable thing but it's like uh in your case i think you're gonna at least need that piece of paper yeah he really needs a ged He really, uh, yeah, that would help that guy out. I mean, that to me was the the real stakes of this thing was that he cannot. He was going to be held back a grade, yeah, because he took time off to go on this. He actually hurt himself. Media tour. Yeah, he it definitely hurt him. Yeah, yeah. He, it it was it was negative because he he could have probably just coasted along and at least graduated at a normal time period. But yeah. like, if he was held back again, then he'd be like older than everyone in and be like oh he's he's a washed up 17 year old yeah. essentially and that would be kind of even worse in a small town i no, mean exactly if, if someone who went to high school with him took the time to like talk shit about him on imdb it would be much worse to just stay in that environment for for a while so no in a way he's only made his life like harder by doing this like he's screwed himself over at school everybody in his town makes fun of him they all get ads for Hulu. Yeah. They all are seeing yeah. like this stuff as well. I, I do also wonder, like, I did think about the exploitative nature of, like, Michael and the exploitative nature of the film itself. Mm-hmm. And But then you can't really exploit someone who's putting themselves out is there. Is asking the to way be exploited. He, yeah, he wants that the goal is to be exploited, right? Also, I so think... So he's winning. Yeah. He's winning in a way that well, I don't think we would consider winning. But he's winning at his. He's getting a degree of fame from being in the film that is about. Uh, I'm glad this is a film that does not. There's. You ever play a drinking game where you drink every time the name of the movie is said? Yeah. Which yeah. is like a lot for a movie like The Avengers or Batman, but mm-hmm. like not once in Jawline. No, they never say they it. They never once. actually say it. But uh, when I first heard about the movie on NPR, it was the filmmaker on NPR, and she was saying when she said the name. To all the boys, they all understood it immediately because that's the one thing they all share mm-hmm. is a like tight jawline, <laughs> which I oh. didn't know was such a big deal. I didn't think that a jawline. I've heard that a strong chin matters, but I've yeah. not heard much about. Maybe I'm just not on the uh, the blogs about jawlines. Yeah, or, Sophie might have well, input into like, that. I feel like the twins did not have that strong of a jawline. Yeah, no, they were pretty round faced. Like, I'm like, I don't know about that. They were kind of random. But they actually seemed like they were kind of funny. They were like, yeah. They and like, I, I wouldn't say any of these people had comedy chops, but they had like more charisma, I think, than Austin had. I wouldn't say Austin had charisma. They were like the, the maybe the young TikTok like garden boys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were mm-hmm. just like, a, they're just twins. Yeah, like do things together, and people are like twins are always marketable. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But I, so maybe they have they each have like half of the jawline. <laughs> the other people had it together. It's One like, side of a jaw between yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. And I, uh, I when it comes to chops, um, it, it was always hilarious to me when they'd have those big arguments in the L.A. house, uh-huh. and then you'd see the video that they ended up making, and it was. 
dog uh, shit. The, the, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to put it kindly, yeah. dog shit. Like they'd have a huge offensive to dog species. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I just the the type of big arguments they'd have over the most vapid content was hilarious. <laughs> was hilarious to right, me. Yeah. Like of them just dancing shirtless, and yeah. they'd, they'd argue for an hour about it yeah i i gotta say the move that michael makes near the end does seem like just straight homoerotic right like it's just like two dudes shirtless like hugging each other oh that his career so i think this is what i was assuming was that his the issue with the last clients is that they accused him of sexual harassment yeah the boys we saw earlier oh so my guess is he's like okay i'm just gonna do gay guys now yeah so that they won't yeah so that i can touch them and they won't you know uh call me out for it okay interesting so it's like these kind of like dumb teenage bros trying to get it cash in on me too somehow yeah yeah also like i could see michael michael pulling some you could yeah because he's a you think he's a straight villain I don't think he's a straight up villain, but like I definitely I think he's got some like pervy vibes. Like I, a I, little bit. I think yeah, he is definitely like he's interesting to me because he's like the character like in every movie, like Amadeus or whatever. He's like the guy who wishes he could be the center of attention. Sure. But he's like, I'm just gonna work my imaginations around the periphery of the talent. Yeah, yeah. he's like trying to make them Sims. They're his little Sims. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean, uh, I don't know if he's straight villain either, but his intentions are definitely not noble. No, no, you no. Know? It's, it's very cynical, very cash-in, yeah. but also just like he's, it makes more sense. Actually, mm-hmm. what he's doing makes more sense to me than what they're doing. Yeah, well, he's smarter than yeah, them. He's, sure. he's definitely a smart guy, mm-hmm. you know, even if I don't like ethically what yeah, he's doing. E- yeah. ethically questionable i actually was reading a bit about the tanacon phenomenon mm. you, and uh, i sent you yeah. that article i think it was refinery 29 yeah did a piece about uh how he was involved firstly i didn't know who tana was yeah i'm, uh, I'm familiar with that yeah uh, she's a youtuber and then they uh it was like to try to do there's so many things that were new to me when I went down the rabbit hole of this movie. This, this movie really did introduce me to a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. This and the Travis Scott documentary really yeah. just were like, okay, I'm old. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, VidCon, it was like to compete with VidCon and VidCon was something that I had just learned about in that yeah. same sentence. Yeah, uh, she put out a video that said VidCon was elitist and that TaraCon was for everybody. Yeah, that was her I, whole. And I by that, guess. by everybody, she meant too many people than they could fit in the building. <laughs> that's like yeah. that is a problem. At, that's a problem I wish I had. Yeah. You know, like I wish I had a problem with too many people interested in this thing. That that's something I was thinking too. Is there any part of their life that I do wish I had? You know, like is there anything you envy about them? I mean, like I've been. I just realized I looked at my uh, Twitter today mm-hmm. and it says like I've been on Twitter since March of two thousand nine. Yeah, and then I looked at that. I'm just like, man, what happened? Like I yeah. thought, I people have had total meteoric takeoffs on Twitter, and I was like hoping I didn't know what I was gonna get out of Twitter, but definitely, yeah. uh, I've other than a handful of retweets by other people that have been somewhat well received, uh, I have not been able to turn Twitter into anything, and I guess it's the same with. 
uh, I would hope it'd be more representative at least of like a thing that I am trying to do, which is comedy. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, it didn't really go anywhere. Yeah. My account's a decade old as well. Yeah. And, uh, it's, um, it's great that they show you that and won't <laughs> let you take it off of your profile. Right. Um, right. Just, uh, for everybody to see that you've been doing Twitter for 10 years. Right. Um, well, to the point I decided the other day to just make it private. Nice. And then I unmade it private because I was tweeting at Andrew Yang. And then mm. I realized he couldn't read anything I was tweeting at him. Right on. Um, so I was like, okay, yeah, what? I'm just paranoid about identity theft at this point. Got it. I've got enough social media trail behind me that I'm like, I'm probably necessarily need cleaning this up a little bit. Um, yeah. Not because of any photos uh, with me <laughs> putting anything on my face. Actually, <laughs> I have a story. I have never done blackface, just to clarify. George deleted 7,000 tweets. <laughs> I've never <laughs> done blackface. I did a costume where it would have made sense if I had done blackface. Uh, so uh, that's all I wanted to address in this moment. And he's admitting to it. Right. Uh, well, I'm also not going to be the leader of anything or get on SNL anytime soon. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I I will probably have to scrub a handful of things off of my YouTube and my, uh, Twitter. I mean, it just depends. Like it's, there's also just stuff that maybe there's probably episodes of this podcast I should delete just to like make things just to be squeaky clean. I mean, I've generally, I was thinking about talking about this on stage. I'm pretty uncancelable mm-hmm. for the most part. I've I've got like some logic behind why I think that is the case. Yeah, I'm sure someone listening might want to challenge that, but uh, I feel pretty assured in that. But also, um, yeah, like this, these guys uh, exist. Okay, so th- there's maybe a premise. Here's a, maybe a premise that it has to do with a generational thing. Mm-hmm. Um, do having uh, your entire like the the amount of dedication people have to the platforms is like almost total, right? It's like the cult that you choose to be in, right? Like you're like I'm just gonna be a you now guy. I'm gonna be a TikTok person. I'm gonna be sure, a Snapchat sure. like, and it is just like nonstop broadcasting your life, and yeah. uh. There, I have the consciousness of like, yeah, I can decide to make my Twitter private. It only affects like 3,000 people and it doesn't affect them very heavily. I'm sure they're not just like, what happened? To, uh, the, the ones that follow me can see it. So yeah. it's fine. Uh, I did the same with my Instagram. And I, the only reason I don't keep it that way is I'm, I guess I want to promote this clip or I want to promote this thing that yeah. I did or whatever. And so then I'll just kind of like toggle off and on. But I have this sort of, this division between a public self and a private self. And I think like what these boys don't have enough of a developed private self at all. Anyway, like there, there's like the, the idea of selfhood is interesting in this film, right? Mm. Cause like what even is, what is even interesting about being, a, a, like a boy who is 17 with like a, a tight jaw or whatever. No, true. And those twins at one point said, you know, you need to kind of choose which parts of yourself to put online and like which parts are interesting. Yeah. And well, when Austin was interviewing them. Right, right. Yeah. Well, he um, wants to like save the world. They all right. have these very <laughs> vapid motivational 
I mean, uh, it is statements. the it is like the the era of a scammers. I don't think they're scammers, but um, they, I feel like the entire kind of hustle culture yeah. is a scam. Uh, there's a lot of you know productivity scammers. A lot of just like the wellness world kind of also a lot of these things are scammy. Um, in a way they're, they're offering a pure product, which is just them. They, you know, their product is fairly pure. Yeah. It is just them. like you get what you see. Yeah. Well, like coming from Austin, I feel like it, it's, it's like, honestly, just like believe in yourself, follow your dream, da, 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 rather than like, work really hard all the time because I don't even know he doesn't have like an understanding of like what working hard means right like necessarily it's clearly not in in school he was going to be held back a grade anyway probably. yeah like yeah. for him like believing in yourself is just like kind of doing what you want to do and him doing what he wants to do is like dropping out of school and like talking to these teen girls yeah not trying to like you know diss him but just mm -hmm. like Honestly, yeah, I feel like we've been dissing him this whole time. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, I think that's okay. I, I think, think it's okay. He put himself under the public eye. Yeah. Um, also, I think this film is the best thing that could happen to him. Yeah. At the, at this point in his career, like this is the most positive portrayal and like most complete picture of this guy that we're probably gonna get, or mm -hmm. he's probably gonna. I don't think he's gonna blow up. Mm -hmm. I don't. I I don't know if you looked at his Instagram, but. Um, I looked at it halfway through the movie. I kind of spoiled myself. Mm -hmm. um, he hasn't grown at all since the movie. I think oh. in in the movie he had twenty thousand followers. He has twenty five thousand now. Um, I I think that what he wants is for the world to see him and stuff. And you're talking about exploitative nature. Like I still think sometimes I think about. Uh, Tim and Eric, for example, and how they kind of exploit some people that are weirdos or might be mentally unstable or something. Like David Liebehart. David yeah. Liebehart, perfect example. But on the same token, without those quote unquote exploiters, they never would have been seen in the first place. Sure. Like yeah. I don't, David Liebehart is probably getting exploited by Tim and Eric, but also he's being seen by a million more people than mm -hmm. would ever see him. This kid, Austin, probably being exploited by the filmmaker as well, but he's getting such a wide audience mm -hmm. from this, you know. Um, in your in your view, who is the target audience of this movie? Is what That's what I started thinking when you just brought that up just now, because I'm like, yeah, he, it didn't, he didn't raise his Instagram profile because this is sort of a film for people that don't know anything about yeah, Instagram it, or social not, media. Almost. It's definitely not for the girls. Yeah. This isn't for the little girls. Um, I feel like it is for like kind of like middle-aged people to be like, oh, thank God that's not happening. Yeah. Didn't happen to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, they definitely don't like, I'm sure there are positives to this culture and this life. Like they, there was that one girl that talked about, uh, the Instagram boys tell her to stop cutting herself and she stopped cutting herself. Yeah. You know, so they're like, are positives, but 
we barely saw that in here yeah. in this documentary. So I think it is for people that are outside of the world to kind of look in, mm-hmm. get a, I think anthropological is the perfect word for mm-hmm. it. It's like a survey of the culture. It's very much a snapshot of the time too. Yeah. Right. You this ta- is going to age so weirdly. Yeah. You were talking about people. Cause like you, I don't think people even use you now anymore. Yeah. You know, I mean, and you were talking about people kind of... Um, well, musically, it was they did reference musically. Yeah, and, and that's Musically over. kind of is the precursor to TikTok. Yeah, and that's over yeah. now, too. And I think all the platforms are going to kind of rise and die. Like, I don't, right. I don't know if, you know, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook will be here in 10 years. There might be new platforms. They didn't you know? even talk about Facebook much at all. I they don't didn't. think Facebook, I think Facebook has kind of become like their parents' medium. Yeah, yeah. Like, Face- I'm sure his mom has a Facebook. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do think this is going to age very weirdly. This is going to be kind of like, did you see Life 2.0, that movie that was about, um, uh, what, what is that? Uh, Second Life, the and like that already w- feels so aged was in a certain it, way. Did that come out like five years ago? Yeah, I think or it did. Yeah, 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 I did yeah, see yeah. that. And, it just and yeah, came back on and to, Second Life isn't really a thing anymore. I mean, um, it sort of exists in the same way like Friendster exists, or yeah. MySpace is still like there, but yeah, you know, the, the it has ceased being. You know, as it's not in the zeitgeist. Anymore. Yeah, I'd yeah. imagine there's going to be like a second type of Second Life as VR gets more. Mm-hmm. popular and stuff i feel like second life is like more of like an art piece kind of mm-hmm. explorative exploratory um like new thing I, I i don't know i think second life is like really like not something to necessarily compare like twitter to or okay. facebook yeah. to yeah but like as a social media platform as a social yeah because there's also like imd imbu Oh, I'm VU. It's similar to Second Life. Okay. I know people kind of just do that. Like, I feel like a lot of artists do that kind of thing. Uh But I think, honestly, this is like fully meant for like middle aged audiences. Yeah. Because there's so much more. Like, anybody that's like a teen would be so bored. Right. Because there's like so, they're like, yeah, I know. Like, I want, you can like literally go on Instagram or like TikTok and like, just like be up, be inside of the documentary. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. Do they? Do, yeah, like if it seems like if I was a teenager who used uh, you now, I would not care about this documentary. No, at all. not at all. Maybe the only. Ex- it's like it's yeah. like it's like um, it's like the equivalent of like being a meat eater and watching a factory farm documentary. Right. Like, I don't want to see this guy be sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I I honestly think Austin. I'm happy that he that he did that like not the documentary the not well the documentary yeah but like even deciding to put himself out there maybe mm-hmm. he wasn't like super wise to quit high school but like he didn't he was already failing his classes he was getting like d's he's having a really hard time and if anything he like learned the lesson of what it's like to like not succeed in something you, you know like he puts out this message of like just keep trying keep trying and then he had like had to live that like he had to like be like oh fuck it doesn't always work out mm-hmm. and i feel like it, if he's trying to have like not an ordinary life living where he's already kind of done that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i like i believe in him well hopefully he can like uh internalize these lessons and they we didn't they didn't show it in the movie of him really processing anything but mm-hmm. hopefully he will over the next 
years or so. Yeah. You know, I, I was a little bit worried about his relationship with his brother because I thought the brother was maybe a little bit jealous at some point. Did it feel that way to you? Yes. Guys? Yeah. They had, when he went on tour, the brother was like, oh, I wish I was there. Da, da, da. Yeah. And like had that life and that experience for sure. And I mean, I guess in the same token, the brother's just as lost as Austin, but doesn't even have that opportunity. Right. He seems, know? yeah, I, uh, he seemed interesting to me, but also like kind of like his story could have been the same in the 70s, like yeah. the type of like dude he was turning into. It didn't really fa factor in the technology part of it. So right. Much. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like he would be like the older brother in like 1977. The burnout older yeah, brother. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And we didn't same. we didn't really see his relationship to the technology either. Right, right. We saw that the mom watches Austin's streams. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, like from a different room, you know, um, which is interesting. Uh, I wonder what her intention with that is, if it's just sweet or if she's like moderating him mm -hmm. or um, it was, I, I would have liked to get more into the mom. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. I guess we heard a little bit about the abuse of dad and then yeah. like the mom, I, I, I related to her frustration. Yeah. She's like, yeah, I'm going to have uh, three kids living at home with me forever. Yeah. With her, her frustration. Yeah, no, she was like, my life. I think she literally said at one point, you could probably find the clip. She was like, my life was bad. Like, and I want them to not have a bad life like I had. Mm -hmm. It's like, damn, she just accepts that yeah. right on. Austin's smart. He's got that potential about him. He's got that strive about him. The life they've had's taught them to be that the way that they are. I mean, their dad, I mean, he never contributed anything to nothing except for drugs and alcohol and beating me and beating them. That's it. And it's been a struggle. I just want them to succeed in life and do something with their life and their life not be miserable, you know, like mine's been. They're the only things that's kept me going through the years and why it's not miserable. You're faced with problems in life look at them from a different perspective you know because sometimes the problems are just like a lesson that's learned in life and remember life's not perfect you're going to experience bad days and good days you don't have days where you just don't even feel like live anymore but you gotta remind yourself it's a part of life but i love you guys so much peace te amo Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. I, I feel like we all need a little bit of Austin and we all need a little bit of Michael. <laughs> like, I think that's True. the balance. A little bit of the naivete and, like, you know, sweetness that he does have. And, like, not to, you know, I've talked a lot of shit on this kid. Yeah. But, I mean, he is a sweet kid. 
No, for sure. I think his intentions were good. Yeah. Even though his motivational dumb message, as bricks. Yeah. Oh man, as dumb as they get. Yeah. But uh, it's good. Good for him. He's pretty. You know? Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, like he, I, even though his motivational messages were so vapid and yeah. like didn't really make any sense, I think he legitimately meant them and like wanted to make the world a better place. Sure. And um, then I feel like. A little bit of the 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 stri- strategicness yeah. of Michael and opportunist. Yeah. I mean, okay. We, we, I think we're we're definitely like throwing. Uh, it, it is in a negative light. He is sort of like the cynical, manipulative kind of dude in this, but also like he's got sort of wizard magic. He can like make someone gain like. Like I was saying about my Twitter. Yeah. Like I wish I could figure out some of this stuff. Right. Black hat shit, I guess. Yeah. He's like a savage. I I wanna know how he is like quote unquote the only person that can get people a blue check just by like asking. How did he do that? Yeah. That's how old is he? He he's a little bit older than them. I think when this film is going, he's maybe twenty one. That's what it said in that article. Yeah. So yeah. he's like a little bit older than them like yeah he couldn't be the face of it but he figured out like i guess it's the it's a game there's a really interesting thing even about like i listen to this i listen to a podcast about podcasts it was a podcast (laughs) about uh these guys in bangladesh who you could you know pay on fiverr that had figured out a system to get you listeners or to raise your profile in the Apple podcast charts. Mm. And it's a similar kind of, like, there is, like, they did it, like, oh, there's a secret sauce to it. I'm like, there's no secret sauce to it. I mean, the whole secret with that was they got a bunch of Apple IDs, and they would just download podcasts, and you only need to do, like, 50 a day to get something to be number one on the podcast charts, which is kind of just like, oh, so even the biggest podcast doesn't get more than 50 subscribers a day. Mm-hmm. That's basically all we learned from that. It's mm-hmm. like, because there's been no, like, kind of, like, exposure of the gaming, the system, the podcast charts. So, uh, the verified check thing, you, I think you can just know people at Twitter. I know people that work at Twitter. It's just like, you just gotta know the right person. And then they trust him. They trust him. He's basically like kind of like the uh, he repre- there's sort of like everyone needs to be the mediator between like young people and uh, people that have money. Yeah, that's basically what he was the middleman. Yeah. Like that's, I guess, what a manager does. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he did a good job. He's good at his job. Yeah. Um, and I mean, uh, honestly, like working with teenage boys seems like a fucking nightmare. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it, it also, that's his shit. He loves it, you yeah. know, like that's, and I think if he could, he would be one of them. You know? Yeah, I think he th- fancies himself like more important than them because he is sort of the, but yeah, I think like you, if you had the skill set of a Michael and like the, uh, the nature, the good naturedness of an Austin, that'd be like, that would speak well of the youth. I feel yeah. like no, for sure. And instead, we have like a Lex Luthor, and like I don't even know the better analogy. He's definitely not a, a, a Superman. I don't no. know. Uh, just like this, you know, sweet dumb kid. Yeah, he's and like a like golden a conniving. retriever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like a guy who's kind of conniving. Well, I think we've really. I don't know if there's much more to say about this. I mean, it's sort of like it's a very well shot, very pretty 
piece. Yeah, it was very artfully done. Yeah. Uh, a lot of shirtless underage boys. Again, if yeah. you gender flip this movie, it would not, I, you could not really promote it on Hulu. Yeah, it's not okay. Uh, you'd be Jeffrey Epstein if you really gender flip this <laughs> yeah. movie all the way. But um, no, uh, it's, it, it definitely opened my eyes to some stuff. And I wish I could have kept them closed in some ways. Yeah. One final note. I just want to say the one thing that I do envy about their lifestyle is the constant massages. Oh, yeah. That's They're getting massages awesome. at the house. Yeah. That's the, only, that's the only part of their lifestyle I would take and put onto myself. I'm yeah. a, I think I'm, this movie's inspired me to get more massages. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. If you get there is some jobs you can get where they have massages in the office. In theory, they have that at my job, but I don't go in there to get massages. Man, can I take, take steal your my ID? Massages? Yeah, yeah, we'll just well, hey, we're, we're figuring yeah. out how way to game the system. Gotta cast this dog. Gotta cast this dog. This is where we play a game called Cast This Dock, where you think of anyone you would like to play. Someone, if they were gonna make a like a biopic version of this doc, what what did you have in mind, Elijah? I went deep. I I casted everybody. I, I thought about it. Um, <laughs> so for Austin, that's our main boy. Um, I was thinking. I'm talking. I'm thinking like producer mindset. Like like let's make this film a package. Let's make it sellable. So I was thinking we get the sexy it boy right now that's in all the movies, Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Timothy I can see Chalamet. Timothee. Yeah, he's yeah. got the he's got the jawline. He's got the art art house side. Yeah, and he's got the acting chops to back it up. Yeah, I mean he could just act like uh, a kid from Tennessee, a yeah. dumb sixteen year old. Yeah. yeah. Who who is your one pick? I didn't have a uh, one for Austin because I was like, I feel okay that I don't know any underage actors by name. Yeah, I feel like that's an okay place to be in my life right now. It's it's sad how many I have. Like to the here. point where I'm like, when I saw uh, Suspiria and I realized that was Chloe Moretz, mm. I'm like, oh, the girl from Kick Ass. Yeah, and I'm just like, oh shit, she's an adult. Yeah, that happened. It's wild. Uh, uh, I thought for michael weist um did you see the shitty cgi tin tin movie that came out no, a couple years ago i didn't yeah just that character that's the cgi <laughs> tin tin yeah the little poof of hair the round face and i just like the idea of michael weist like going around the world with a dog solving mysteries that's great and then also trying to do some casting while he was doing it yeah, yeah. I would love to cast Michael Weist in things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think he yeah. has an acting career. No, he him. could for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I wrote for Michael Weist's character, um, Bowen Yang. Okay. Okay. Uh, From the, the new movie. SNL cast member. Yeah, yeah. Um, Los Culturistas. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, his impressions are hilarious. I could just in a parody sense, I could see him bodying that character mm -hmm. and just mm -hmm. killing me with how funny he does it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so I got Bowen for the manager. God, I went I went so deep. I'm not even gonna list all of them. But for <laughs> so for the LA talent, I wrote Barry Kogan. I don't even know if that's how you pronounce his name. Have you seen Killing of a Sacred Deer? Yeah, he's the boy in Killing oh, of a Sacred Deer. I was guy. I just think he's, he's such, such a fucking look. good actor. Yeah, he's a good actor. And he was just a young person. I thought yeah. it was a fucking good actor. Yeah, no, just bring a lot of intensity to that. Yeah, to that yeah, for the yeah. fights. Yeah, you know, yeah, for yeah. the fights. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
And then I went off for the Austin fans. Oh, yeah. Um, so I wrote four of them. <laughs> two, two of them are a little more unnamed, obscure. unnamed fans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I thought the Pen15 girls oh, yeah, 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 would yeah. kill that yeah, 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 yeah. as the Austin fans. They're very funny. And then are you familiar with Meg Stalter? Uh, She's a Chicago she, comic. This might be getting a little too obscure. I feel like I've <laughs> seen some tweets or something. Right on. She's killing it on Twitter yeah, right yeah. now. Um, but man, I think she would be hilarious. There was this I one teenage girl. Yeah, there was this one fan that like Austin made a joke and the fans like that, that that was a good one. That was like a really good that was a good really good joke. <laughs> and like <laughs> and like as they're following him around yeah, like a yeah. fucking zombie horde. Yeah. And um Meg Stalter like is that mm-hmm. character. Um moving on, I wrote Austin's mom. I thought she is an unexplored character. We could get really into her. So I was thinking prestige actress dame judy dench <laughs> Boom. to really bring some tennessee oscar. accent yeah yeah to bring some oscar flair yeah totally um, intensity the poor she's a she's a queen dame yeah. judy dench but yeah. i think she could really uh embody that poor burnt out tennessee woman as well i want to also throw this out as maybe more age appropriate olivia coleman cool yeah oh my actually dude perfect (laughs) that's actually perfect i wasn't thinking british but british people can always do american accents not the reverse and barry (laughs) cogan barry cogan from killing of a secretary he's scottish oh he is a thick scottish brogue it's crazy he might be irish and i'm being an asshole right now yeah um but barry could be scottish olivia coleman just Yorgos Lantimos actors. Yeah, yeah wait, no, that is actually what this should be. Yeah, yeah like right? the, the the biopic will be like a Yorgos Lanthimos. Like if he directed yeah. Jawline the movie, that would be mwah. amazing. That'd be great. I agree. Well, I, did you ever see the Wolf Pack? This was kind of weirdly reminding me of the Wolf Pack as well, which is about with the a four group of brothers. Yeah. yeah, that grow up in this very sheltered house. It's almost an inverse thing because. They don't have access to things, yeah. whereas this guy only has access to things, but he's isolated by being in in Tennessee, and they're isolated by like, just being trapped in an apartment. In, in Brooklyn, in Brooklyn. Right? Yeah, That's I think crazy. So. That or, was a good documentary. In Manhattan? In Manhattan. It might have been in Manhattan. I, mean, I want to yeah. say it's maybe in Manhattan. Uh, yeah, right. but there's also like, it's also like young female directors who really like, kind of like take like... Uh, the they really play with the aesthetic of documentary. Yeah, there's like a I, very stylish documentary. And in the Wolfpack, they buddy up with the director too, right? Yeah, like they, they, totally. they like they're like her friend. Yeah, yeah. I kind of feel like that was an unexplored part of this too. Just like how he must have a, a couple of shots I thought were also drone shots at ground level. Mm. I wasn't sure what was going on with some of the shots, but um, like there, I feel like there could have been something about the relationship. She clearly like likes this kid yeah yeah no for sure and she was not in it at all yeah there was none of her she did not include herself um Um, i also wanted to throw in that i sent you that link to twin heads which is uh, i was just looking up interviews with her on youtube and that's a film i think she made for noisy yeah about these brothers who are in a band called uh the The garden Garden, yeah who are like we're actually like that was to me more. I wanted. I could have seen a feature length about those guys. Right. To me, right. like this, that was a lot more interesting, and it was only like thirteen minutes. Yeah. Well, at least they had character to them. They're so um, weird. They're weird dudes. We have. 
uh, crossover. Good amount of mutual friends yeah. and stuff. Yeah, and they're Orange weird. County weird band that were like yeah models. Yeah, well, so that was that was the, <laughs> the connection. Oh. Is she all of her? She focuses on male models. Oh, Yves Saint Laurent did a whole thing where he was like taking musicians from the LA scene and putting them in runway. Oh, and he was, they were like a part of that. Oh, like, is that what it was? That, they were. They came before like other other kids in the LA scene, but like yeah. Who else did they cast um, and do like that? Austin finds Austin Feinstein from Slow Hollows. Um, fuck, I'm forgetting what's his name, Jack. Oh, Jack, uh, Val Kilmer's son. Oh, really? Jack Kilmer, yeah. Yeah. These um, are like Burger Records people? Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's so funny that Burger Records is like the farm team for Eve Stanley. <laughs> <Yeah. Ron. laughs> it's what we learned today. I know. Right. That's so yeah. weird. Not, uh, yeah, it's, you gotta sell White out Fang is like, yeah. Yeah, yeah like, it would, n- it'd be funny <laughs> if the NAR, the NAR tapes guys. One day, it. man. <laughs> One day. They made like a sitcom for like. Yeah, they got a Comedy yeah. Central pilot. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Look, like we're not doing that. No, no. And they said it took, I talked to them about it. It was a three year process. Oh, man. For that. Yeah. Wild. Ridiculous. Um, uh, we also want to do cat, uh, pitch the doc, where yeah. you, you you talk about something that you think would be an interesting documentary to watch or that you'd like to see made that's not already a documentary. I got a juicy one. I yeah. got a really, <laughs> really good one, I think, that honestly, like, Somebody, if if there's documentary filmmakers that listen to this, they're gonna steal it and run with but it. But they won't have stolen. They have to. There's also a way that we can kind of copyright the idea by I'm putting okay. it on a podcast, right? Oh, hey, so now. like, yeah, Elijah cool. gets the producer credit. Yes, yes, you know, yes. It can be below the line for the producer credit. I just need ten percent. That's <laughs> yeah. all. I. That's yeah. all I ask. Ten percent. So, uh, we are in South Central Los Angeles right now. Next door to us is Numero Uno Supermarket. Um, which is a supermarket chain in South Los Angeles. There's about 13 locations. Most people know this. Numero uno means number one in Spanish. They want to be number one. And I would always go into this supermarket and I'd always be like, this is the most undermanaged supermarket I've ever been in. There's always like expired stuff. There's always empty shelves. There's not enough employees It's very, it feels Lynchian almost. Mm -hmm. It feels like you went into a bizarro world whenever you go there. So I was like, what is up with Numero Uno? So I Googled it and Numero Uno's founder, George Torres, is essentially ran it like a cartel. And it's a crazy story. And there's only like two news articles about it. And pretty much he started as a cart on a corner selling food and by 2005 he was indicted by the fbi for selling stolen merchandise hiring illegal immigrants bribing politicians if you were caught shoplifting there they would lock you in a room and extort money from you and he hired employees to murder people wow and And it's still functional store on icing cherry on top George Torres got away with it all off a of technicality. He is a free man who is still, I believe, a business partner in Numero Uno. I don't, I don't think he's still the owner, per se, but he's still involved in it. Oh, and they would uh, uh, smuggle cocaine. 
You basically are shopping at like the dark web. Yes. Yeah. The dark web cartel of supermarkets. Oh my God. And it's such a, I love, did you ever see Gringo? Uh, uh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah. John McAfee documentary. Yeah, yeah. I love like um, documentaries about like these like low key insane criminals that like we don't really know about and stuff. And I feel like there could be an amazing documentary about George Torres, his story, you know, him coming up. And stuff, and it would be amazing if you could get him. Yeah, you know, like, and maybe some of the people that he extorted, you know, like, you know, with blurred faces and stuff. Yeah, um, I've always thought it'd be a great documentary. I've tried to write stand up about it, but I'm almost like, I'm almost worried <laughs> about getting a hit on me. You know? Yeah, like, right. is it dangerous to talk about? I don't know, know, man. It's like sort of like like Vegas comics sometimes had to work from with mobsters. Right. Uh, it, right. Like New York comics have talked about like being at shows where it's like people they grew up with that are mobsters. Yeah. Well, I, I think the comedy club circuit was mm -hmm. like founded on mob money. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. interesting. The early punk scene, I talked to someone about this, like a lot of those, like even California, a lot of the clubs that would have punk shows right. were actually like mob connected. Right. Yeah. Right. And they just needed to always have shows. Yeah. There which so was like, there was could this, launder money. I wish I could remember the name of the band. I'll try to put it in the show notes if I can find it. There was a band that was really involved in, I think, the early punk scene that I think was maybe from like Stockton or something. It was like the daughter who of mm. one of these guys became like this punk singer of like a weird new wavy punk band. Right on. And like, so like she discovered it probably cause they were doing the shows and then like she became like a punk singer. Damn. It's super, I got to find the name of that cause that could be a great one as well. Yeah, yeah. no, that would be super interesting yeah. as well. I wanted to throw in uh, my cast, uh, pitch a doc, which is, did you guys read that article in the cut about the Carolyn Calloway story? I don't know if I read the article, but I'm familiar with the story. Right. Yeah. It also relates to, we're talking about like social media scam type yeah. situations. Uh, Do you know Caroline Calloway? Yeah. The story. Oh yeah. So it? the story yeah. of the Caroline Calloway thing is she had a very popular Instagram. She was like a, uh, American student who was like living abroad in Europe, uh, for college. And she had a friend the whole time who was actually kind of helping her write all her Instagram posts. So basically, like, uh, this friend wrote this kind of expose piece for the cut about how she was kind of the ghostwriter for a lot of Caroline's stuff. Caroline Calloway got like a $300,000 book advance to write a book based on her Instagram. And oh. the friend was actually like, it's, it's a very weird, like, frenemy story, right? It's like, two girls that are college age that have one is like kind of envious of the other one. And they're like, one's like kind of clever and sarcastic. The other one's just like pretty and rich. And they, so they have this weird dynamic the whole time where like, uh, forgetting the name of the writer, but, uh, it, if you look this up on the cut, it's, it's the woman who wrote the piece, uh, kind of explaining her connection to her, to Carolyn. So basically she had a book deal the friend was helping her, you know, write up all the stuff for the book. And then she never turned the book in and it was a publisher, like a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. And then had a similar Tanacon situation where she was trying to do some kind of like wellness, um, uh, convention thing. And then like was supposed to make it a tour and then it turned into just being in New York. And then she had to just basically like cancel the whole thing. And people had already given her like $150 for a ticket to go. So, uh, yeah, it's that to me, there's a lot of story there. 
Yeah. There's a lot of story 100%. to dig into. A lot of like kind of like it relates to this in a way. It's like new social media world that people over, you know, 35 probably don't really fully get. And then uh, and then just female friendship. Yeah. And and uh, again, like uh, Michael Weist situation or Amadeus Solieri, like the person who's like, you're the face of the thing. I'm the brains of the thing. And that's always like a weird tension that exists, I think. So I think there's a lot in that Carolyn Calloway story. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also there's the idea also that these people aren't held accountable. They can kind of run wild and do scams like that mm-hmm. without much uh, uh, retribution yeah, or like yeah. fallback fallout. Yeah, you yeah. you wanted to go to like a crystal conference. You're gonna get you get what you you basically get what you pay for. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we also like to just ask a few questions. Uh, Elijah, what is your pet peeve? Oh man, pet peeve. God. This is kind of the get to know you part of this right, show. We put right. it at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I know. I'm just, I'm a pretty chill guy. I don't have uh, many things that get to me. What's a pet peeve of mine? What's something that I always get annoyed by? People trying to gossip with you? Oh, I'm not a gossip <laughs> at all. Oh, I really? don't, I don't really like, I have trouble. I get really disturbed about shit talking and stuff. And, uh, yeah, not and you've really. been in comedy how long? Yeah, no, I know, I know. I, I, uh, you'd be amazed how many people uh, I don't like, but I don't tell people that. No, no, but I feel like you, talk, it's not even that because, like, I feel like you could. I feel like you're around people who should talk like comedy, whatever. But like, hearing about, pe- like, different friends' personal information. Oh. I respect boundaries. I have good boundaries. That's a pet peeve. Yeah. Yeah. People with bad boundaries. Yeah. Oh, well, there we go. I I don't like narcissists. Oh. Yeah, sure. Again, (laughs) a comedian, Elijah Katz. (laughs) (laughs) Follow me. Follow me online on all my things. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Where do you see yourself in five years? Oh, gosh. Um, I'd I'd like... I, I feel like I'm like just about five years from making a little bit of money. So I feel like in five years, I'm hopefully going to be making a little bit of comedy money. That's mm-hmm. the goal. I'm not, I don't think I'm going to be stable or established, but hopefully flat broke, not working a day job. We'll yeah. See. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is LA. It is hard to get paid to do this. In LA. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who is someone that people mistake you for? Uh, Stephen Wright. Okay. Yeah. Or <laughs> other Jewish comics. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Sophie, same questions for you. Pet peeve. Um, oh, my pet peeve. Oh, God. Bad boundaries. Ba- Good bad, boundaries. You know what? Bad boundaries. I feel like bad boundaries could is like a, such a blanket for all anybody's pet peeve. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I guess like... Um, People being like, um, like weaponizing their charisma, I guess, like being like violently performative to the point where they like are rude to people or they like don't listen to other people that, that bothers me because mm-hmm. I love performative people, but like, you know, um, Sophie's a lot smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was the, was the, other, <laughs> the other question. Uh, five years. Five years. Where you see it alive? Okay. Um, five years. 
Um, oh my God. Okay, I really have to kick in my like narcissism right now because if where I want to be in five years is probably have like working on a ton of different projects with different people, like collaborating a lot and like somehow making enough money from all of those or some of those projects that I'm able to like travel from place to place to collaborate in different cities. And yeah, so that's, that's where I see myself in five years. And someone that people mistake you for. Oh, okay. Recently. So I do, I don't agree with this. Um, I think it's like more of a vibe thing, but like since, um, (laughs) since the movie once upon a time in Hollywood has come out, uh, literally people have like DM'd my friends from like different countries have like DM'd me, like friends have come up, people have come up to me at bars. Like so many people have told me I look like the main Manson girl. Margaret Qualley. Yes. Yes. But (laughs) I don't, I do not like, I maybe like kind of like 25%, but not enough for like the amount of people who have told me that recently. I I told her she looked like a Manson girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's pretty sexy. Yeah. Yeah. People that are just like, coming up to you randomly saying that. Because I'm like tall and have brown hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think that that's like similar skin tone. I think you also look like you would um, kill for a cult leader. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, totally. Like I'm like a free vibes. spirit who would like, I'm so such a free spirit that I'd like, you know, take a fetus out of a, <laughs> out of she, a pregnant woman. She did take a <laughs> felony charge for somebody. So it's not coming from nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that sounds like (laughs) a documentary in and of itself. Uh, I want to thank you guys for uh, letting me hang out in your place. Elijah, thanks so much. Thanks for coming over and inviting me to do this. You're the man. Thanks, Sophie. Yeah, thank you for letting me like randomly interject. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about SupDoc at SupDocPodcast.com. Recapping reality since 2015. Our theme song was written by David Siegel and our show was engineered by Will Scoville. For as little as $1 a month, you can donate to the show through our Patreon page, patreon.com slash subdocpodcast. If you want to help us in other ways, please share the show. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Find Paco and George's comedy gigs on the About Us page on the site. Subdoc is by doc fans for doc fans. So if you want to advertise with Subdoc, got a film or opinions, hit us up. We'd love to hear from you and what you're docking out on. Email us at subdocpodcast at gmail.com.